0: Welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is an online community of 3.7 million people who have come together to build political and social power for women and our allies through activism, advocacy, and the power of personal narrative. Um, For the next few weeks, we're going to mix it up a little bit here on the podcast. Um, This is Courtney, and as you notice, Libby is not here with me, um, but I will be interviewing women running for office in this critical election season, as well as a few other special guests, specifically to talk about the issues in their areas and also the importance of voting. And I'm really, really excited for this pivot and to be able to learn more about some of the really incredible candidates who have stepped up to run in this moment in history. And so my very first guest in this block of the Pantsuit Nation podcast um, is Dr. Hiral Tipirneni. Uh, Dr. Hiral Tipperneni is running for Congress in Arizona, and she served in the Phoenix area for more than 20 years as an emergency room physician, cancer research advocate, and most recently on the board of directors at the Maricopa Health Foundation. Um, and Hiral came to America from India with her family at the age of three, and her parents were seeking the American dream because they knew the United States was really a place where if you worked hard and lived by the rules of democracy, you really could find success no matter where you came from. And now Hiral is running running for Congress to take on Washington Insiders and continue using um, her team-oriented and problem-solving approach to work with Republicans and Democrats alike to get the results that we need. So welcome to the podcast, Hero.
1: Thank you. Thank you, uh, Courtney, for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Um, I am so thrilled to have you on here. And I have to say, I skipped over a bunch of stuff in your bio, but suffice it to say, you are a doctor, you're on nonprofit boards, you are serving your community in a number of different ways. why did you decide to step up and run for office to serve your community in this capacity?
1: Well, you know, I felt like um, my main concern, um, really, that sort of pushed me over the edge um, was regarding healthcare, care. And, and by that, I mean, um, look, I had always volunteered on prior campaigns and, you know, been, you know, politically active in that capacity. Um, but with this last election cycle, I worked furiously to... Uh, make sure that our Democratic candidate was elected. And the reason is, is because I was very worried about where, where we would go with healthcare, with all the threats of repeal and replace, the ACA. Mm-hmm. Um, look, as an emergency room physician, as an ER doc for many years, what I saw up close and personal was the constant struggle of people who did not have uh, affordable access to the healthcare system, who used the emergency department as their sort of final... Uh, option, you know, when they had Mm. no other options. And a lot of times it led to heartbreaking decisions of waiting too long to bring a family member in with an illness, um, sometimes suffering, you know, the worst of consequences or really heartbreaking Mm. uh, complications of an illness. And to see families struggle like that, whether they could, you know, bring in their child for a fever versus, you know, pay their electric bill that month. Um, And I saw the benefits that the ACA brought. Uh, bringing 20 million people health care. That is not a small feat. And I, I was terrified that we would go backwards and that, you know, instead of working towards our goal of still making sure that every American was covered and had access to quality, affordable health care, I was afraid that we would go backwards. I knew that their threats of repeal and replace were very real. And the idea that, you know, they would play partisan politics with people's lives, um, I certainly thought that was a possibility yeah. as it, it has panned out to be. And so I, I just – I knew I had to do more. And, you know, my work has always been um, in some way or another about advocating for people, right? It's been about um, sometimes being their voice in their darkest hours and, and you know, working on their behalf um, when they can't take care of themselves. And uh, to me, I think the the job of a legislator is similar in that you're listening to people's problems. You, you're supposed to be looking at these issues with a nonpartisan eye. Um, you're, you're, you know, working on a team, uh, you're trying to diagnose an issue, really follow the facts and then implement a real life solution. And, um, I, you know, I think those are skills that not only do I, that I have, but that I've mastered and I've, um, used, uh, throughout my career. And I think that they're in dire shortage right now in DC. Um, so I decided I had to do more and, um, I threw my hat in the ring.
0: I think that's amazing. I love how um, how systematic that problem solving is and how there really is a path to finding a better way to care for the citizens of this country. Um, and that, you know, it's it's really refreshing to hear you talk in that manner, um, because I think that one of the things that um, people are often confused about is, you know, how do legislators actually legislate? And the um, the process that you just talked about is is really important. That you know diagnose the problem, find out the solution, and then enact it. Um, and I think we get lost in that in kind of the cloud around all of the um, other things that go on during election
1: season. Right. And 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 that's exactly one of the reasons I'm really proud to be one of you know several STEM candidates that are running. You know, with the background in science and medicine that specifically. Um, I, my My filter is always through like this data driven approach. I mean, I look mm-hmm. at an issue say, and the first thing I ask is, well, what are the historical trends? what does the data show us what where are the how do the numbers pan out in showing us what has worked in the past and what has not, and let that guide you um, I, I think that using an evidence based approach will always lead us to better, more sound policy and and that 's not just for healthcare or healthcare related issues. I mean, I believe that that is the best format to use, whether you're um, doing healthcare reform and addressing the opioid crisis or if you're, uh, you know, addressing economic policy or education policy or even national Uh. security policy. Uh, We have to let facts, data, trends and, you know, um, uh, critical thinking guide us. And what's happening right now and what has happened for far too long is letting just ideology rule. And Uh. um, we see what happens when... Policy is based purely on ideology. Uh, it fails. It either fails to serve um, voters and, and, and Americans and, and families that are in dire need, or it causes a rift, uh, you know, in our in our uh, political parties because whether they disagree with the policy or not, what they hate is the fact that it was based in this in this ideological, um, you know, narrative. Yeah. And you know that's one big reason why the GOP right now is so focused on tearing apart the ACA. It's because it has a Democratic president's name attached to it. It's not because, you know, I mean, if you ask individual people, right, they tell you, of course, we want everybody to have health care. But they're not working towards that goal. They're working against it. And it's purely on an ideological basis. They're being driven, Um, which is unfortunate because millions of people are counting on them to work on their and their families behalf. and, And somewhere that's been forgotten.
0: Absolutely, that it's that's so relevant to me too. So I'm, we I'm talking to you from Massachusetts, where of course our governor was Mitt Romney when we um, implemented the essentially um, blueprint for what then became the Affordable Care Act nationally. And Mitt Romney is a Republican governor, and that you're exactly right that when you're doing the right, right. thing for people outside of an ideological reason, um, then. You know, that that is the the driving force. Um, And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you could talk a little bit more about so we've been talking about healthcare, but obviously Arizona, like any other state, um, has issues Mm -hmm. that are really critical to people in that state specifically. So what are you hearing most when you're talking to voters about the kind of work that they're looking for their elected officials to do for them?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and what's really been fascinating throughout uh, this campaign is realizing just how sort of neglected this district has been. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the former occupant of the seat, you know, prior to the special election, um, the the gentleman that I was initially running against when I launched my campaign last year, um, Trent Franks, he'd been in this office for 13 years. Um, So this district, and he had won and he had run unopposed in multiple cycles. And it was sort of a foregone conclusion that, well, of course, he's going to win and nobody's going to run against him. So, you know, what's the point? So... And I've lived here for 22 years, so, you know, I, I have lived within that, um, within that knowledge as well. And then, so as we've been going door to door, we've been making phone calls or, you know, meeting folks at, at house parties and meet and greets, what you, I hear over and over is, you know, I've never had this kind of conversation with somebody who's been running mm. for office because nobody had come to their door. Nobody had asked them, how is your family doing? You know, what things are working, what things aren't? How can we, how can we do better for you? Um, mm nobody had done that in decades and so this district had been largely neglected and forgotten in many ways and it has come alive and people are talking about the issues that impact their families and it is really multifactorial and and so what i have sort of focused on are sort of these three pillars of what i think are essential to you know a fairly stable and successful life and it's healthcare education economic security um, mm. To me, you know, and from what I hear over and over, you know, if those three things are in place um, to a certain degree, then you know, you, life is is stable. You can progress forward. You can, you know, address other challenges as they come up, um, mm. and you can really work for a, a better future. But if one of those really has a crack in that foundation, if you don't have access to healthcare, if you're if you're ill. Uh, if you have chronic illness, if your family members are ill, if you don't have uh, a a fairly solid education and some real skills that you can put out there in the workforce, um, if you don't have um, an ability to then harness those skills into a well-paying, a decent-paying job that gives you good enough wages to keep a roof over your head and gives you a sense of pride and and purpose, um, you know, if those three things aren't in place, uh, everything else is sort of secondary, right? And mm. these are the stories that I'm hearing over and over. Um, and and a, a lot of these other issues that we deal with in life, uh, like say the opioid crisis or gun violence or things with climate change, a lot of them come back to these three core issues. It's where they're impacted the most. Um, and, and, and on top of it, the one other issue that I hear about a lot in my community, um, besides those three, uh, is retirement security, which you know, really goes mm. along with economic security and healthcare. Because as our elderly retire, they're counting on their Medicare and their Social Security. And they Absolutely. want to know that those earned benefits will be there in their toilet years. And uh, obviously, I have a very large retiree population in, in my district. So that is at the forefront of those conversations as well. So, you know, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about healthcare. We've been talking about education, quality of public schools, uh, economic opportunities, and retirement security. That's really been at the, the forefront of our dialogue.
0: I think that's such a. Um, it's interesting to hear you talk about the kind of demographics of your your district and the needs of those people. And what I'm really interested in is seeing how you know I were rooting for you to win and and bring this kind of um, really analytical mind to solving these problems, because what we've seen is that when, you know, an an area maybe in Arizona starts to think about that, then other states and other districts can be adopting those kinds of things and that there's an opportunity for a sort of ripple effect. You know, maybe it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. a place that has um, a very high uh, retiree population, but there are retirees everywhere and they can benefit from the learnings that we do in the areas that have those higher populations.
1: Right, right. And, and for example, like, um, you know, Arizona struggles in, in um, education, right? Everybody knows that Arizona is very close to the bottom in, in um, teacher pay, in how much we spend per student, um, uh-huh. and, it's, and it's directly reflected. Um, you know, we have pockets of really great schools in our state, but for the most part across the board, a lot of our schools struggle, and uh, it's incredibly important to me um, that education is, is it is that path forward for for everybody. I mean, that's the reason my parents crossed an entire ocean to bring my myself and my brother to this country so we could get a good mm. education and have opportunities uh, to realize our full potential. Um, I, and I, that is something I'm incredibly passionate about to make sure that every child receives that. And public schools are you know the public school program is an incredible gift that this country, Uh, has put forth for its citizens but in Arizona and in so many other states it's failing because it is not prioritized. Um, The funding is lacking. uh, There's money put into other things. uh, There's corporations that get tax breaks and uh, revenue that would otherwise be spent on education is lost or diverted elsewhere. And, And it takes vision and foresight to understand that when you have an educated community, you have a healthier community, You have a more economically thriving community. You have safer communities. Uh, And it pays back dividends, you know, a hundredfold, not just to that community, not just to that state, but to to the rest of the country. Um, and, And it just, to me, it's heartbreaking where Arizona really fails is in funding and caring for its public education system. And so I would love for Arizona to be um, a model of how it can turn itself around on something, on this issue, issue that's so critical. Um, and imagine how that would impact, you know, other states that are also struggling in that realm.
0: Absolutely. It is so exciting to talk to you and hear your, your passion for um, all of these issues that you're going to tackle. And, and it's really, really thrilling. Um, one of the things that I do like to kind of wrap up interviews on, since I think uh, now is a time when optimism and hope is really necessary. I was wondering if there's anything right now that's making you feel particularly optimistic or hopeful that you kind of go to when you need a little boost.
1: Yeah, I would say there there are a lot of things that are hopeful. Um, I would say first of all, the energy in our district. Um, hmm. People that come to us on a daily basis that say, "I've never, I've never put out a political yard sign. I've never volunteered for a campaign before. I've never, you know, made phone calls or canvassed for a candidate before. I've never gone to a town hall or a rally before. You know, this is the first time." And it's because. I think they realize that their voices really matter, that somebody is listening, and that there's somebody here who's ready to fight for them and on their family's behalf. There is an incredible opportunity for this district to be represented uh, by somebody who is actually ready to fight for the issues that matter to the families all around this district. And, um, you know, yesterday, for example, we had a, a, a gathering, we had a rally, we had um, 430 people show up. It was at 12 in the afternoon in a, we, we exceeded capacity. We had standing room only in this place that normally doesn't That's see awesome. more than 75 or 80 people turn out. Um, wow. it was amazing. It was absolutely thrilling. Um, and the other place I see this, this great, uh, uh, ability to keep up hope and optimism honestly is in our, in our young folks. Um, look, I'm the parent of three young adults. My kids are 22, 20, and 17. And, um, as frustrated as they are sometimes and as and as cynical as they can get sometimes, they're also abundantly hopeful um because mm. they see they see their mom fighting, they see all these other great candidates out there fighting. they know that the the things that we've taught them we are living out, and we are working hard to make those things not just a reality for them but for all other kids and all of their families and uh right. and you know when you asked me about why I decided to run one of the little things I left out and I would love to just briefly share it with you is that, you know, the morning after the November, 2016 election, um, I was talking to my girls um, about, okay, kind of, where do we go now? You know, what do we do from here? We can't just, you know, be upset. We have to do something. And, um, you know, I kind of gave them a list of marching orders. You know, I was like, you guys are both in college. You have to get more involved. You know, write Mm -hmm. something for the school paper, join some clubs, protest, whatever. Like, you know, make sure your voices are heard. And one of the other things I said is make sure that I said that more women should run for office because we need more diverse voices at the table when policy is being formed. Mm -hmm. And uh, my oldest daughter um, looked looked me in the eye. She was on the FaceTime camera. We were FaceTiming with her. She said, "Uh, well, mom, if not you, then who? (laughs) <laughs> and you know she's oh, like put your amazing. money where your mouth is and and you know and she reminds me of that every day like when I talk to her about the campaign if we have a hard day or or we're hitting a few bumps in the road you know the kids will remind me remember why you're doing this you can do mm-hmm. this you're passionate you know this is why we wanted you to do this this is why our district needs you and um and there and it's not just my kids it's the you know young people that come into our office every day uh, that are writing postcards and making phone calls and volunteering and saying, you know what, we're excited because we know that we can help make a difference. And and that's really a, a powerful feeling, right? When you feel like one as one individual, you can make an impact in your community, in your country, in your state. Uh, it, it, it's a it's really an infectious feeling, and so I think um, that will help uh, get us through this dark time. I truly believe that.
0: I could not agree with you more. I think that you're absolutely right. And I just want to make sure that your daughter gets a huge shout out for pushing you (laughs) to
1: do this, (laughs) since I think we're all
0: so lucky that you um, stepped up and we wish you all of the luck in November. Um, Where can people learn more about you and your candidacy?
1: Well, again, Courtney, thank you for having me on this program. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, So you can go to my website. It's com. So that's h-i-r-a-l-f-o-r congress.com. And you can learn all about our campaign. If anybody wants to contribute to our campaign efforts, we'd be grateful. Uh, We don't take any corporate PAC money, so it's all individual donors. Um, And just learn more about the issues we're fighting for uh, we're in. We're fighting. This this race is in Arizona's eighth district, and um, we would love to have you know more folks follow us on social media and just spread the word. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Twitter. Uh, we would love to just you know have uh, support from all corners of the of the country because um, this is doable. This race is winnable, as are so yes. many others all across this country, and we we're going to see some real hope. Uh, on November, the morning of November 7th. I truly believe that.
0: I believe it too. And I believe that you are a critical piece of that. Harold, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And thanks, thanks for the, the show of support. It means a lot.
0: Absolutely. Bye now.
1: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Today's Pantsuit Nation podcast is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. That means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. If you need to get something off your chest, whenever you need to, you can talk about everyday challenges at work or at home or just chat about life. There are no extra commutes, no leaving the office, and no judgment. And even if it seems like you can't imagine fitting anything else into your life, well, Talkspace is therapy that is easy as sending your therapist a message. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life's challenges we all face. To match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com PANT and use the code PANT, that's P-A-N-T, to get $45 off of your first month and show your support to this show. That's P-A-N-T and Talkspace.com PANT. So thank you again to Dr. Hiral Tipperneni for joining me on the podcast today. It was so exciting to hear um, all of the ideas that she has about improving Arizona and the country in general. Um, and now it's time to transition to the call to action. So the calls to action the next sets of podcasts are going to focus on voting. Um, I know that we focused very heavily on trying to block the Kavanaugh nomination, and unfortunately, that did not pan out. Um, however, one of the most critical things to remember is that it is the people who we elect into office that make the decisions about these kinds of things, about who sits on federal courts. And so we need to be having our eyes on the very specific voting prize of getting people elected on November 6th. Um, So expect me to beat this voting drum every week. Um, And I want to make sure that everybody knows about the following states' voter registration deadlines that are coming up in the next few days. So this is a long list. Bear with me, but I wanted to mention all of them that will happen before next week's episode comes out. Um, so this is uh, all of, if you live in these states, make sure to check your voter registration and uh, get, get ready to vote. October 12th is a registration deadline for New York, North Carolina, Idaho, and Oklahoma. And in Idaho, um, you also have election day registration available. October 13th is the Delaware registration deadline. October 15th is the Virginia voter registration deadline and this is a really critical state so Virginia people pay attention. Um, October 16th has a whole slew of states. I'm going to run through them all. October 16th, New Jersey, Maine, Minnesota, Maryland, Oregon, D.C. and West Virginia. And Maine, Minnesota, and D.C. also have Election Day registration available. October 17th is Massachusetts and Wisconsin. And Wisconsin also has Election Day registration available. So... How do you register to vote? Go to vote.org, and you can click on check your registration status, and if you need to register, you can register to vote through there. But don't stop with just yourself. Ask your friends and family to do the same and follow up with them. Don't just send one text message to ask if they did it. Double check and make sure that they've actually done the registration. Get them to send you a screenshot of their uh, the confirmation page that says they've done it. So voting is obviously super critical right now, but also getting others to vote as well is really, really important. Um, and a great way to do that is to volunteer for some shifts with thelastweekend.org. So you can sign up for shifts to, work it, to get out the vote the weekend before Election Day, um, and that is an amazing way to make sure that people know that the election is coming up, um, that they have an election plan for getting out to vote. So um, visit, again, that's thelastweekend.org, and together we can really make a difference in turnout in the midterms, and that can make all the difference in the actual election results. All right, so now it is time for the golden pantsuit. And this week's golden pantsuit goes to a young woman who is facing down something that is hard to even imagine, and that's a diagnosis of terminal cancer. So Chef Fatima Ali, who is an alum of Top Chef Season 15, has been battling Ewing sarcoma since December of last year, and she learned in September of this year that her cancer has returned and that she has only one year to live. Um, So Chef Fatima has written about her experience both as a chef with cancer and now earlier this week penned the essay, um, I'm a chef with terminal cancer, this is what I'm doing with the time I have left. Um, and that's available in Bon Appetit. And it is truly a beautiful and devastating read. And I recommend it highly. Um, and Chef Ali is a, is a really beautiful writer. And she is um, just a really... motivational person to listen to and in 2016 um, she was the champion of the chef's role center stage competition and won the opportunity to work for a month at Meadowood which is a luxury resort and restaurant in Napa and she documented that month in daily videos Um, and I found one video that I think has some really timely advice from Chef Fatima so um, let's listen to that. It's so easy to get stuck in your day-to-day and it's so easy to just wake up and go to your job and finish and then come back home and do it again and I did that for a few years and you know now I have this opportunity where I'm able to actually travel a little bit and keep learning and that is just incredibly exciting to me that is absolutely something that I am embracing you know with open arms and I hope that if you guys have been following you know and even if you just see this last video of mine I hope you guys can connect with that and i hope this serves as motivation for other young chefs you know to get out there and and not be afraid of like trying hard and not be afraid to like put yourself out there and not be afraid to apply to you know online scholarships and online competitions and like actually go out there and like test yourself and challenge yourself so um, I think that she definitely is a, an inspiration to young chefs. But um, the way that she talks about challenging yourself is an incredible inspiration to me. Um, I think to anybody, no matter what your uh, what your job is or what you do with your life, um, making sure that you are taking advantage of the opportunities that are set out in front of you. So definitely check out Chef Ali's article in uh, Bon Appetit. So the golden pantsuit goes to Chef Fatima Ali, a woman who gives really great advice, is a beautiful writer, and who we are sending all of our love to. All right, so that brings us to the end of the show. Um, thank you so much to our guest, Dr. Hiral Tiberneni, to our sponsor, Talkspace, and to our team at Cadence 13. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please do leave a review. Visit us on org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pantsoot Nation. And subscribe to our Facebook Messenger platform by going to our Facebook page and clicking Sign Up. Um, I'll be back next week with another really awesome candidate to talk to. And until then, please do remember that this democracy is your democracy, so stay engaged.